If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of December 17, 2023. The podcast that plays strip solitaire. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's notarize the news of the bogus. Beginning with some good news. DNS Resolver Quad 9 has won their appeal against Sony Music's order that they should block pirate sites. The Higher Regional Court in Dresden found that DNS Resolvers can't be held liable since they don't play a direct role in copyright infringement. Initially, the District Court of Hamburg ordered Quad9 to block access to a site that provides links to pirated music. The site was also targeted by a voluntary blocking agreement between rights holders and ISPs, but Quad9 wasn't a part of that, which meant that pirates could change their DNS resolver to Quad9 to get around the block. Quad9 opposed that order, saying, quote, Quad9 does not condone copyright infringement and supports artists and rights holders in their ownership of content and prevention of abuse. However, we strongly believe that recursive DNS is the wrong place to try and apply legally mandated controls, and is at best incorrect, and at worst, may be contradictory to the safety of end users, as well as damaging the stability of and trust in the global internet. The regional court in Hamburg upheld the blocking injunction, but the higher regional court overturned that, concluding that DNS resolvers are neutral intermediaries and don't play a central role in the copyright-infringing activities of pirate sites. Quad9 doesn't host any pirated content, and its users don't make any infringing content available using their service. They rule. The defendant does not initiate this transmission, nor does it select the addressee and the content of the information. It plays a less central role than those who have committed the infringement themselves or have contributed to it by providing services. The users of the defendant do not make infringing content publicly available, but at best request it. The defendant does not store this content. It doesn't transmit such content but only the domain request of a user and the IP address of the server on which this content may be stored. It also didn't help that Quad9 servers aren't even located in Germany, nor was the website in question. The order was also for a global block, not merely a block of German connections. Quad9 responded, Today marks a bright moment in the efforts to keep the Internet a neutral and trusted resource for everyone. We remain committed to the concept that resolving a domain name is not an action that should be prohibited for commercial goals. The DNS does not contain content. It is a system designed for delivery only of pointers, not for data transport. It is clear to us that expansionism of Internet censorship will never stop and letting minor inappropriate removals of digital sovereignty go without challenge, which will ultimately end with heavy-handed suppression of ideas much closer to the user. These boundaries are constantly being tested, and we have won this round. This comes on the heels of the higher regional court saying that Cloudflare doesn't have to respond to copyright complaints on its public DNS resolver either. 
However, it looks like the music companies will be trying again in Italy. They seem to be gearing up to order Quad 9 to block certain pirate sites after the court of Milan ordered Cloudflare to do so. It's absolutely ridiculous that the regional court of any country should be able to tell the entire world what it can and cannot access. Good on Quad9 and Cloudflare for fighting this. Here's hoping they keep it up. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. On the heels of Elon Musk suing Media Matters for their fraudulent report on X that we covered last time, video site Rumble is suing two plaintiffs who run Check My Ads in connection with Media Matters. Check My Ads purports to combat the global disinformation epidemic Yes, another epidemic, but in reality has been engaging in a censorship campaign by engaging in defamation of those they are ideologically opposed to. According to the complaint, Nandini Jammy and Claire Atkin, the co-founders of Check My Ads, together with Media Matters for America, have engaged in their own hypocritical disinformation campaign to censor, silence, and cancel speech by spreading false, materially misleading, and defamatory statements and engaging in tortious content to convince advertisers to withdraw ad spends from platforms like Rumble that host content creators who espouse views contrary to defendants' hyperpartisan sensibilities. And they seem to confirm what most of us suspected about certain other sites and their biased actions, using demonetization and censorship of content based on ideology, quote, not wanting to draw the ire of self-proclaimed advertising watchdogs and realizing that they too could fall victim to the Sleeping Giants Media Matters playbook, big tech platforms such as Google, YouTube, Amazon Web Services, Facebook, and others began increasingly to censor content creators based on what they perceived to be the partisan political hot-button issues of the day. Rumble began from the ground up as a company with its own infrastructure, not dependent on third parties such as AWS, and thus not making the same mistakes as Parler, while growing to be less and less reliant on Google and other third parties for ad revenue. That meant that defendants could no longer use that third-party route against Rumble, they couldn't just go to Google and say this and that and get the ads pulled. So they started a major disinformation campaign against Rumble, 
and then bragged about it. Quote, Rather than entrusting consumers to make their own choices about what to watch, defendants believe consumers should only be allowed to have access to content that aligns with defendants' hyperpartisan political views. So, defendants launched a disinformation campaign to demonetize Rumble, and they have bragged about it publicly. They include screenshots of Jamie saying things like, quote, No, we're done with Fox News. We're doing Rumble now. It happened last week. Guess I was too busy demonetizing Rumble to notice. Come on, Danbo. Tell the class how much ad revenue Rumble lost in the last two weeks. We know what's up. Yeah, we do too, Jammy. Nice of you to tell us directly, though. Quote, Defendants are using the same recycled playbook that Jammy used at Sleeping Giants. Step 1. Manufacture and spread knowingly false statements about Rumble's business practices, ad placements, revenue streams, and overall financial health. Step 2. Publicly pressure large advertisers to drop Rumble, thereby reducing revenue to the company and amplifying the economic risk they pose to their targets to further discourage investors from purchasing or holding Rumble stock. And to make things even worse, they even falsely accused Rumble of perjury. Quote, As relevant to this action, defendants falsely accused Rumble, expressly and by implication, of lying to its shareholders and the SEC in its security filings about the company's financial health and its sources of ad revenue. Specifically, defendants have repeatedly peddled the false narrative that Rumble is primarily monetized by and wholly dependent upon revenue from Google Ads, when in reality, Google Ads now represents less than 1% of the company's revenue. They include screenshots of Jamie saying that Rumble depends on Google for their business, and Atkins saying they're 90% funded by Google Ads. They both link to a Check My Ads article instructing advertisers to block Rumble from their ad campaigns. And they did it repeatedly, over and over and over. And the part that's really the death knell for the defendants, quote, Defendants recklessly disregarded the truth and published these claims with actual malice when they manufactured this false narrative. In fact, defendants knew their statements about Rumble were false when they made them. Rumble responded directly to Jamie Onyx in late 2022, informing her that revenue from two external ad networks, one of which was Google Ads, was less than 20% of Rumble's overall ad revenue in the prior quarter. Jamie acknowledged both receiving this message and the accuracy of it. Indeed, she snarked back, Phew, y'all are surprisingly into facts for a company that exists just to stream conspiracy theorists who've been kicked off YouTube, but noted, thanks. According to the complaint, quote, In the week following the defamatory article Jamie and Atkin published on CheckMyAds.org, investors divested their stock in the company, and Rumble lost nearly $185 million in market capitalization. As a result of defendants' defamatory falsehoods, Rumble has also been forced to expend tens of thousands of dollars on outside legal counsel and public relations firms to try to mitigate the damage defendants have caused and continue to cause. You want to know why it's hard to make a website competing with big tech? This is why. And if you remember last week's coverage of Media Matters, Check My Ads took a page from the same playbook. Quote, For example, in March 2023, 
Netflix stopped advertising on Rumble after Media Matters engineered it so that Netflix ads would appear on a user-generated video on Rumble expressing anti-Semitic views. Media Matters staff repeatedly refreshed the user-generated video, in some cases more than 70 times, causing Rumble's advertising system to serve different advertisements until Media Matters found one that it could use as fodder for its public pressure campaign. As it turned out, the Media Matters employee engaging in this tactic was the only one to actually view the Netflix ad on the video. And once Rumble learned about this anti-Semitic content on its platform, a clear violation of Rumble's content moderation policies, it immediately removed the video. And the complaint keeps going and going and going, with defendants repeating this same dishonest behavior over and over again. Incidentally, just before this podcast was recorded, it was announced that Netflix ads would be resuming on X. What have I been saying, people? Advertisers always come slinking back. By the way, just for those who are wondering, I'd already decided to cover this story before my YouTube drama this week, where they didn't want me to use a certain word that Dr. Drew gets to use with impunity, and I had to upload a censored version instead. Rumble and Odyssey have no problem with the uncensored video. Anyway, the complaint is pretty dadgum convincing that they knew perfectly well their information was wrong, and they maliciously kept posting it anyway. They knew it was false because they responded as such. For example, on 4 August 2021, Jamie tweeted, Rumble CEO Chris Pavlovsky tells me the ads are coming through their monetizable service Rumble Player. This means all the above ad tech platforms have direct relationships with Revolver News, which is even worse. According to the complaint, quote, Defendants have had ample opportunity to engage with Rumble and learn about Rumble's own advertising system that now provides the company with advertising revenue. Instead, Rather than meaningfully retracting or correcting her original statement and setting the record straight, Atkin chose to repeat her false claims, amplifying the harm to Rumble. And defendants' refusal to retract their statements is additional evidence of their malicious intent toward Rumble. Rumble is asking for actual, presumed, and punitive damages, legal costs, an injunction against further defamation, and a jury trial. Folks, I'm not a lawyer, but this case seems pretty solid to me. We've certainly seen much flimsier cases prevail, and after experiencing what we smaller creators have been put through over the last several years, it's nice to see their tactics publicly exposed and attacked. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. 
You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. So everything we've been inundated with about how terrible and awful and criminal Donald Trump is has predictably backfired, even according to polling by the far-left outlet Bloomberg, which shows Trump leading Biden in every single swing state, even as they gag him and indict him for everything under the sun. It's almost as if the Streisand effect is a thing. The poll of just under 5,000 registered voters shows Trump leading on average five points in all seven swing states. He's ahead by two in Pennsylvania, three in Nevada, four in Arizona, Michigan, and Wisconsin, six in Georgia, and nine in North Carolina. With the exception of North Carolina, all of those states went to Biden in 2020. We've kind of seen this in real time. They indict Trump and his poll numbers go up. Let's think about this. Who are those additional numbers coming from? I've heard the news media doing damage control by saying these are just the die-hard ultra-mega-mega extremists, but think about it. The die-hard supporters would already have been supporting Trump. So these new numbers are coming from people who weren't supporting Trump earlier. And bad news for Biden, this includes groups that have traditionally, so we are told at least, voted Democrat. That includes a drop in support for Biden among black voters since October, as well as Hispanics and voters aged 18 to 34. Even if they didn't turn around and support Trump, if they just decided not to vote or vote third party, it's big enough to help Trump pull significantly ahead. The Bloomberg poll supports other nationwide polls as well. The Real Clear Politics national average of major polls show that pretty much all of them show the same lead. In fact, Real Clear Politics did a deeper dive into the Bloomberg results and examined what happened when pollsters added RFK Jr., Cornell West, and Jill Stein. It caused Trump to make slight gains in Georgia, Wisconsin, Nevada, and North Carolina, but oddly, cost him one point in Pennsylvania and Arizona. It made no difference in Michigan. Overall, the inclusion of these candidates didn't change who was in the lead in these swing states, meaning that, as things stand right now, RFK Jr.'s campaign and the Green Party campaigns aren't making a difference. But indict him one more time. Maybe that'll do it. At any rate, it does clearly show that if Democrats want to stop Trump from being the second person in history to hold non-consecutive terms as president, they're going about it entirely the wrong way. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. 
They're just $9.99 apiece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to marbleize this week's Biggest Bogani Emitter. And this week it goes to Senator Josh Hawley, who reminds us that, although he's generally well-liked by libertarians, he's not one. In fact, it was up to Ted Cruz to stop his terrible internet bill. Badly, but at least he got the job done. Give it up for saying what your bill's about, though, the No Section 230 Immunity for AI Act. That much is refreshing, at least. But yes, this would make a complete mess of the internet and destroy the very protections that make it great. Similar to what we were talking about in the first section, there with DNS providers, Section 230 guarantees conduit protections. In other words, you can't be held liable for what your users do. Holly wants to make an exception to this for AI, because why not, I guess? And if it tells you anything, and it should, he partnered with Senator Richard Blumenthal to create it. Give it up for a short bill, too. At least it's just two pages. It says that Section 230 protections don't apply, quote, If the conduct underlying the claim or charge involves the use or provision of generative artificial intelligence by the interactive computer service. Why that's suddenly not protected by Section 230 is resolved only in Hawley's mind. Section 230 has already been found back in 2016 to protect algorithmically generated snippets made to summarize content. So where is the line between any similar algorithm and generative AI? The bill defines generative AI as, quote, an artificial intelligence system that is capable of generating novel text, video, images, audio, and other media based on prompts or other forms of data provided by a person. But this is what creates a major problem. AI is basically incorporated into everything these days to one degree or another. And generating content based on prompts is what tons of algorithms, both AI and otherwise, have been doing since the dawn of computing. And it's pretty much the definition of a search engine. And those have been getting more and more complex, from recognizing words that have been misspelled to searching for equivalent concepts that might be worded completely differently. So again, where does it actually cross the line into generative AI? And the act isn't just about the output of generative AI. The bill says it applies, quote, if the conduct underlying the use or claim or charge involves the use or provision of generative AI. So what if a user writes a post and a generative AI grammar checks it? The company is no longer protected under Section 230? Or worse, what if they use generative AI to find and censor inappropriate or illegal content? This would be a disincentive to use it. People need to accept the fact that AI is being built into pretty much everything. Making an AI exception to Section 230 is pretty much the same thing as repealing it. Section 230 is there to stop frivolous lawsuits against those who had nothing to do with any tortious conduct. And as we've already seen, there are tons of people who are very ready to file frivolous lawsuits against AI makers. 
Hawley even spewed long-debunked bogosity in his speech, saying, quote, Are the biggest, most powerful technology companies in the world going to be the only companies who are absolutely immune for anything and everything they do? Of course, as we've covered numerous times, that applies neither to Section 230 nor to generative AI. In fact, regulating these things would give an immense advantage to these big companies over the smaller startups. His lies continue. Because right now in America, they're the only companies who cannot be taken to court for a simple suit when they violate their own terms of service, when they violate their own commitments to their customers. No, Holly, that's any website, any ISP, anyone who provides an internet service, however large or small. This is what has helped put them all on even footing since the beginning. The lies continue, quote, I know that these big tech companies who own almost all of the AI development tools, processes, and equipment in this country, ignoring, of course, all of the independent, FOSS, and startup AIs that you can find pretty much everywhere. And for an incredibly dishonest example, quote, The chatbot goes on to recommend that this individual, by the way, the chatbot has no idea how old this person is or who this person is, the chatbot goes on to recommend that this person leave his spouse, divorce his spouse, break up his family. Oh, just another day at the office for AI. Dishonest because, if you actually read the transcript, which was from New York Times reporter Kevin Roos, he had to repeatedly prod and push Bing's AI chat to get that result. It was very far into the conversation with a lot of deliberate direction to get it that way. Also, the further you are into a conversation, the more insane the LLM tends to get. It just can't handle it. He also tugged on everyone's fifis by using an example of that thing I mentioned earlier I'm not allowed to say on YouTube. You know, the squigglies. He went on about how a chatbot could recommend that someone squiggly themselves, and if they did so, the LLM wouldn't be liable. But even when it's a human being saying it, it's extremely problematic, as we've covered, to hold someone else responsible for a person squiggly. And he went on and on like this. You can watch the speech for yourself if you're a glutton for punishment. Weirdly, it was Ted Cruz who stepped up to oppose it. You might recall Cruz as being the one who made popular the platform or publisher myth when Section 230 makes no such distinction whatsoever. To be fair, Cruz makes a lot of really bad arguments, too, but he makes a few good ones. Quote, you know, when it comes to AI, AI is a transformative technology. It has massive potential. It's already having massive impacts on productivity, and the potential over the coming years is even greater. And there are voices in this chamber, many on the Democrat side of the aisle, that want government to play a very heavy hand in regulating AI. I think that's dangerous. Look. There's a global race for AI, and it's a race that we are engaged with China. China is pursuing it through government-directed funds. It would be bad for America if China became dominant in AI. Right now, the $38 billion that was invested this past year in American AI companies is more than 14 times the investment of Chinese AI companies. We need to keep that differential. We need to make sure that America is leading the AI revolution. Okay, not the best arguments, but I'll take it. Although amazingly, Cruz took the time to take credit for Fosto when, as we've covered, 
that bill is a complete and utter failure has actually gotten in the way of law enforcement stopping child abuse and human trafficking and has literally killed people. But he does make a good point that repealing or limiting 230 wouldn't eliminate censorship. In fact, it would make it worse. Companies would be more hesitant to host speech, particularly unpopular speech, if they were subject to government action because of it. And we heard earlier what they tried to do with startups and alternatives like Rumble, even with 230. Could you imagine what they'd do if it were repealed? It'd be better if Cruz hadn't taken the opportunity to spew the same old misinformation about 230 during his speech. But Cruz gonna cruise, I guess. At least he did the right thing and blocked the bill. So all of that makes Josh Hawley this week's biggest Bogani emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's particularize this week's And it's another from the news media who just can't seem to help screeching horrendously false panic-mongering, especially when it's about something owned by Elon Musk. Tesla just pushed out an update that makes it harder for drivers to misuse the auto-steer function. Let's be clear, this is not full self-driving or autopilot. It's equivalent to what other car companies call lane assist. It's like a fancy cruise control that keeps you in your lane and at a certain following distance from the car ahead of you. It is not intended to be something that takes driver attention away from the road. The driver is still supposed to be, well, driving. It'll give you both audio alerts and flash the screen if it detects your hand is not on the wheel and a camera in the cabin checks your face to make sure you're looking at the road. Apparently, NHTSA felt there were too many issues with idiots not doing this. In their notice, they posted, In certain circumstances, when auto steer is engaged, and the driver does not maintain responsibility for vehicle operation, and is unprepared to intervene as necessary, or fails to recognize when auto steer is cancelled or not engaged, there may be an increased risk of a crash. Wait a minute! You're saying that a car might crash if the driver isn't paying attention? Gee, Nitsa, thanks for letting us know that. We would never have figured that out without our wonderful government regulators. So Tesla pushed down a software update, which Nitsa confusingly calls a recall, to add more controls and alerts to make sure the driver is paying appropriate attention. 
and they'll even disable the feature if they figure out you've been misusing it. So the news media took this as an opportunity to go absolutely ape over it. Here are just a few of the clickbait fear-mongering headlines. NBC News Tesla issues massive recall of more than 2 million vehicles over autopilot safety concerns. Bloomberg Tesla recall threatens its defense in autopilot crash lawsuits. Forbes Over 2 million Tesla models recalled over autopilot safety defect. Note the biggest problem with those three. This has nothing to do with autopilot, only auto steer, and there's not a safety concern with it. The safety concern is with the human operator. You know, the ID10T component. UPI. Tesla recalls more than 2 million vehicles over risk of auto steer crashes. No, UPI, auto steer wouldn't be crashing. The driver would. And keeping their apparently coveted position at the bottom of the heap, Kotaku. Tesla recalls millions of cars to patch mode that could kill you. Interesting that no one was freaking out about cruise control when it came out. Of course drivers need to keep being alert. They're still in control of the car. It's never been the case that automakers have had to be responsible for inattentive drivers. But this is the news media of today, folks. So all of that makes the news media this week's Idiot Extraordinaire! Well, that wraps up this He's Having a Stroke of Genius edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. This is the last regular podcast for 2023. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back in the new year with our 2023 year in review and name the idiot of the year. Until then, here's a quote from Newton Lee. While information is the oxygen of the modern age, disinformation is the carbon monoxide that can poison generations. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity.